0: Hi, welcome to a new episode of the Living Gallantly Podcast. My name is Annie, and I'm here not as an expert psychologist or anything like that, but I'm here as a friend who loves to have discussions and psychoanalyze things to death. Like, why are we the way we are? What can we do to better ourselves? How will we ever reach self-acceptance and self-love? Today, I'm asking the question, how do we get over negative self-talk? I consider this inner critic in all our minds as extremely self-defeating. You know that little voice in your head that tells you you're not good enough or that you're bad at this or bad at that? Every single person has this voice, it's just that it might be a hushed whisper for some and an already loud voice further amplified by a megaphone for others. That voice for me can be pretty loud. Recently, I was trying something for the first time in a long while, and I was constantly fighting that voice. There was this war just raging inside me. Once I knew that I was simply out of practice and will get right back into the groove the more I practice. I tried to be encouraging and trusting. But this voice felt like a little baby's voice. It was something that I had ignored for so long, it's grown weak and I was straining to hear it. The other side was telling me that I just wasn't good enough, that I will never be good enough and I was simply not cut out for this type of work, so I should just never try again and stop trying. It was telling me I was so behind and will always be behind and I was stuck in this fixed rather than growth mindset. Which is another topic I want to discuss in the future. But that voice was the dominant one, and it was the one I knew all too well. On the suggestion from an excellent blog called How I Killed Betty, I named this voice because I knew I was going to be stuck with it forever. I might as well accept its eternal existence while also distinguishing it from who I am by giving it a different identity. As you can tell from the blog name, she named her in her voice Betty. After a while, I decided to name mine Dina with two E's and I liked it. And it was partly because of Dina spelled with an I from Superstore. (laughs) She can be a bit rough and cynical and it also just seemed like a good name to go shut up Dina. And I apologize if that's your name. It's not you, it's me, with a little demon in my brain. If you watch Parks and Rec, they're always like, shut up, Jerry, but I wanted to make my person in my head a girl, I guess. Oh, Dina it is. So one morning, I was just casually having breakfast before heading to work when I suddenly got to thinking about self-defeating talk. I don't know why. I was eating an egg and cheese sandwich. There was nothing about that for my brain to go, oh, look at you eating a stupid sandwich like a stupid human being. So why was I thinking about self-defeating talk? I don't know. The brain is so random. But it was a good time for reflection, I guess, because I realized over my egg and cheese sandwich, that negative self-talk truly had to come from the environment around us. We aren't born with these voices in our heads as babies. We weren't born telling ourselves, Oh man, listen to that scream. You have such an ugly shriek. And wow, you're bald, you're an ugly baby, and you're stupid, and no one's going to love you. No, (laughs) that comes from hearing criticisms around us and being in toxic environments, like absorbing negativity and comparing ourselves to others, constant exposure to completely unrealistic media expectations, and more from the world, which is all natural. We're kind of released out into the world as a sponge just ready to absorb everything that's near us. So no one can avoid this. It's a part of life. Everyone is going to grow that little dina in their heads that will grow larger or smaller based on how much you feed it. For example, maybe it shrinks as you realize you're good at sports and you discover your love for sports and you're constantly told how athletic you are and how nimble on your feet you are. You naturally become confident in that area. Maybe Dina grows when you try dancing, but you realize you suck at it. Other people are showing off some slick moves and your body is convulsing to an awkward beat. I'm talking about myself, by the way. <laughs> and. You're told that you're a pretty bad dancer, so you stop dancing. You tell yourself, just stick by the food, you look stupid on the dance floor. Even if you're, you're itching to move over there to your friends, which I'm not. I just, I don't even like dancing and I'm bad at it. So I guess it's okay. But the size and weight of Dina or whatever you decide to name your person can fluctuate depending on what you're doing at that moment and where you are in life. And this made me wonder how much about it was from the need for validation, both internal and external. Now, this can go hand in hand with fearing judgment from others, which is touched upon in the recent podcast episode, uh, The Power of Releasing Judgment. For example, I am a writer, or I would like to consider myself as one. And that's where you can already see Dina just slinking in there, super sly. I would like to consider myself as one. What does that even mean? Other people have to see me as a writer for me to feel validated as a writer? Dina is throwing imposter syndrome at me, which is yet another topic for yet another day, but there's this fear in writing sometimes. Hitting published can be so nerve wracking and anxiety inducing because I think what if I sound stupid or am I contradicting myself and I'm a bad writer and it worsens if I get rejected too. Rejection is something everyone has to also kind of face in life. If you're pitching an article idea or you're trying to get a manuscript manuscript or novel or screenplay screenplay I can't talk today <laughs> published you're going to face a lot of rejection, which is going to feed Dina. The basis for all these concerns with me when it comes to writing is that, and probably not just me, but for a lot of people, is I want people to like what I write. I want them to think I am a good writer. So this is an example of external validation. It should really only matter that I feel true to what I wrote, that I think I expressed myself clearly, and that I'm always working to improve myself. Of course, there's always room for constructive criticism, but in an ideal world, I wouldn't put myself down so much ahead of time in preparation for other people putting me down. So again, my practical side is just telling me that practice will eventually make that voice die down. Never completely, but enough for me to ignore it. The reason we do this is that we are in survival mode. I am preparing myself mentally for the possibility of failure or immense criticism. My brain is trying to pad my heart up with negativity, so it will get used to it and be less susceptible to a sudden critical hit later on. But this is extremely exhausting. And guess what? The heart never gets used to it it's overkill here. It's slowly squeezing the heart and doing long-term damage. We don't have to be in survival mode all the time. We don't have to put ourselves down so we stay within the comfort zone and avoid heartbreak. Our brain just doesn't understand that because it hasn't evolved from our caveman days and we have to be on high alert all the time to avoid physical pain. Because there is less physical pain now, it focuses more on emotional pain and threats. Now you might be asking, what about that internal validation that you mentioned before? And that's highly relevant for the perfectionists. Sure, other people may matter, but the really ambitious, go-getting perfectionists are the ones who are never satisfied with themselves unless everything is exactly how they want it. When things don't go their way or the goal seems far away, which are all natural occurrences, they get extremely hard on themselves. They expect too much from themselves and then they put themselves down sometimes, like, you're never going to be good enough, like, why can't you reach this goal yet? And this can be quite debilitating. It might at first make them work even harder, but that raises the stress and they're quicker to burn out. I keep saying they because I am a perfectionist, but I don't think to that degree or in that specific way. I mean, everyone is hard on themselves in this way, but it's a matter of how much comes from within and how much comes from without, and I'm still soul searching the perfectionist side of me that I recently came to discover, so give me time and this is yet another great topic for the future. I'm coming up with so many great ideas for future episodes here. Make sure you let me know at the end which ones you are really excited about. Now that we've talked on and on about the evil voice in our heads and the need for validation that may be linked to it, what can we do about it? Well, as I already said, give this name its own identity. It's not you distance yourself from it, except that you won't ever get rid of it. This is a squatter that is intent on staying. But if you give it a name, you have some control over this thing rather than being under its control. Sometimes it will be a battle for sure, but this is the first step. The second thing is harder, and the second thing's all about protecting yourself from the outside in. As I said before, you weren't born with this voice in your head. This voice came to being from outside sources. Even if you stop yourself from feeding this voice, outside voices hold the same power. You can't avoid the billboard saying you need a master's degree or featuring beautiful models. You can't stop people from giving you judgmental looks for you to analyze for days. That is why you should try to surround yourself with positive voices that will drown out all the negative ones, especially that one inside your mind that you have some control over. You can't always escape toxic environments. Maybe you don't have the money to leave a roommate that drives you crazy. Maybe you are stuck at a job with horrible bosses or coworkers for the time being. Maybe a professor is a bully, but you can't leave the class in the middle of the semester. I understand that, which is why I don't like it when people advise, get away from them. Like, yeah, eventually try to, but if you can't, what you can do is choose to surround yourself with positive, influential people, both on and offline, when you do have that opportunity to do so. Going off that, I actually wrote a blog post, which I will link in the show notes, about what you can do to survive a toxic environment when you can't get out. One of the things I wrote is to negate negativity with positivity fostering a more positive mindset is hard, but one of the more active ways to do so would be to say the opposite of whatever you are being told by other people, as well as that inner voice. It's time for that mind battle I've mentioned a couple times. If you find yourself thinking, I'm so stupid, shake your head and then say firmly out loud if possible, I am bright. I have friends who constantly put themselves down in this way. I've noticed that one friend would say one thing over and over again and that another friend would say something else altogether over and over again. They're stuck in this cycle of putting themselves down aloud in an apologetic way when they really don't have much to be apologetic for. One friend says, I'm so dumb and I'll keep repeating to him, no, you're smart, in hopes of replacing that belief with a new opposing one. The thing is that this has become a habit and they don't realize they're doing this subtle act of self-loathing. I do this too. I say things like, I'm lazy, all the time, even though other people wouldn't think so from the work I put into my blog and podcasts. It might be an internalized belief from other people who have standards and expectations that can't possibly be reached. It might be an internalized belief that perhaps was true at one time, but might not be as true anymore. It might even just be something that I grew up hearing other people say about themselves. So I was infected by the same self-criticism as those around me. Fun fact, I think I read somewhere that you don't really, you're not necessarily born with certain fears, but as you grow up, from like a baby toddler child or whatever you see how people react around you and you kind of adopt it for example a child might not be scared or disgusted by a spider but if he's constantly exposed to a mother who screeches at the sight of one then he gets internalized in that way and he thinks it's also gross and scary and I think the same thing can happen here with self-criticism you it rubs off on you you hear other people say oh I'm ugly so you're just like oh maybe I am too yeah yeah I am ugly so it could be in that way and I think it also does help if you notice other people doing it around you and when you notice that you might start noticing that you're doing it too the point is do not let these thoughts leave your body so that they become very very tangible don't say these things aloud because once you do they're out there just hanging in the air what you want surrounding you is fresh positive air Think about this. You don't want to be surrounded by toxic air that you're breathing back into you for your cells to eat up and use as energy for your body. You want refreshing, invigorating air because you want good energy to fuel yourself with. Now, you probably heard this next one before. You really have to treat yourself like your own friend. You have to be the very best friend that you can be to yourself. You would never let a friend put him or herself down that way, so why would you do that to yourself? Dina is not your friend, but you can be your own friend rather than your own bully. Another way besides talking to yourself is to write in a journal about your insecurities or flaws. Once you put pen to paper, it becomes a conduit for all your thoughts, a bridge they can cross in order to leave your crowded brain and to make room for the better things to come. I remember how certain smart consultants in crime shows like Sherlock, because I'm a huge fan of consultant detective shows, which you might know if you follow my blog. And these smart consultants would say that they had to get rid of menial, unimportant details to make room for the bigger important things. Your brain has limited memory storage and RAM, like computers. Writing out such thoughts can help you dump all the garbage thoughts out, just like when you click delete and then empty trash. Do you hear that satisfying sound of when you click empty trash? Unless you accidentally delete something you can never get back that you really need, then then the horror starts. But anyway, it's it's like that. And like when you monitor your phone's device maintenance by clearing unnecessary files that have been stored on there against your will. Data mining, right? So like that, make room for the positive and the good. Lastly, another way to replace such negative affirmations with positive ones can be to listen to guided meditations like The Honest Guys or podcasts like Affirmation Pod. Repeating such mantras or even being told them over and over again can be extremely helpful and life-changing. I am still working on this myself. Is the progress a bit slow? Yes. Is it helping though? Yes. While Dina is still taking up more space in my mind than I would like. There's hope in knowing that I have such tools and methods for talking her down. As a quick summary, there's journaling, positive affirmations, guided meditations, choosing positive environments, and more. Play this episode as many times as you need to remember all the tips, or jot down notes, and let's try this together. Hopefully, our inner critic will find that we are a true force to reckon with once we arm ourselves up appropriately. I hope that these suggestions helped and that you enjoyed this episode. Please leave a comment and share this episode with other people you think could use a bit of help in quieting their inner critics. Also, if you have any suggestions for future episodes, questions, concerns, or a need for advice, you are more than welcome to message me here through my blog or even through my social media accounts and I would love to plan out an episode to help you. I am always open to new ideas and connecting with my listeners, so you have some choice here in the conversations we can have together. That is it for this week. Tune in next Thursday for a new episode, and I hope you're well on your way to living gallantly.